Come on. Hello, dear listener. Before we get into today's show, quick ask. If you find value in today's show or you've gotten value out of a previous show, please leave us a quick five-star review. Be super grateful. Thanks a lot. Scott, are you ready? I'm ready. The people are ready. Let's go. I love it. Welcome to Money Savage Engage. This is George Grumbacher. Scott Rigby is a PhD. He is a self-determination theory scholar. He is the president and CEO of Motivation Works. Excited to have you on, Scott. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Yeah. Uh, so I, I started my uh, I started my life back as a behavioral psychologist, uh, and I had the great karma and good fortune to work with uh, a couple of fellows who invented a theory called self-determination theory, which we're going to talk about a lot today, I think. Uh, that was over 30 years ago. It has since grown into the dominant theory in the social sciences for understanding motivation, growth, well-being, a whole bunch of things. And so I had the opportunity to kind of get in early and, and be trained as a scientist in that. <clears throat> but another thing kind of happened when I was uh, coming out of my postdoc in the early 90s, which was this little thing called the Internet and the World Wide <laughs> Web was invented. And as a, also as a computer nerd, I would spend my days working as a psychologist and I would spend my nights learning HTML and all these other things from, you know, do-it-yourself books, yeah. programming websites. And I actually started, I jumped ship out of being a behavioral scientist and I became an entrepreneur, started my first company, built a, a pretty big digital agency in New York. Um, and, uh, and since then I've exited that and started a number of things that are more, that kind of gave me my education and how to run a business and how to apply principles. And then I, I started uh, Motivation Works uh, to really carry forward the principles of the behavioral science to put it into practice for people um, through best practices, software, measurement, uh, a whole host of things. Nice. Well, I certainly appreciate all that. And I, I was telling you before we got started just how I got turned on to the actual self-determination theory not that long ago, but felt like I had been at least working on or trying to practice a lot of its core tenets for many years. When I was like 22, I became... Uh, the chapter advisor to an undergraduate fraternity, and mm-hmm. I saw the, the the need to be able to help, really uh, help people to be more intrinsically motivated. And then I had a management career with uh, just recruiting and hiring and managing salespeople, and I saw that again. Um, and so this idea of how to really motivate people, if it comes intrinsically from inside, or if it's this extrinsic thing. Um, I think that it's it's so fascinating to me. So, would love if 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 you would just give us so, sort of a broad strokes overview of what self determination theory is. Sure. Well, self determination theory it spans about forty years now. It's um it's really remarkable the depth uh, it goes into across whole whole number of areas, uh, uh, including vitality, mindfulness, wellness, goals, aspirations. But you kind of put your finger on what's at the heart of it which is um, really two things. One, understanding what are the, what's the blueprint of all of us psychologically with respect to our motivation and even more fundamentally, what are the, what are the basic needs that we all have, those fundamental needs that uh, are, are, are the things that create intrinsic motivation to do things, right? We can all think of circumstances where 
we don't need anybody to motivate us. Right? We've just yeah. motivated ourselves. And particularly the prototypic way to look at this is look at kids, right? Look at kids as they play. Look at us as we play, whatever version that is. So we know that energy is there. Self-determination theory is about understanding discreetly what those things are. And we'll come back to those, I'm sure, as we as we talk further. But then the second thing self-determination theory is about is um, now that we understand those things, let's look at the environment. Let's look at what are the things that happen in the environment that either support that motivation, help it to grow, sustain it, and what are the things that thwart or get in the way of that kind of really deep motivation that's coming, as you said, intrinsically out of the individual. Got it. Yeah. So I think it seems obvious, but why would, from your perspective, why is this a good thing? Why is having intrinsic motivation better than extrinsic? Well, I'll, I'll answer that on two levels. So the reason it's a good thing is that when you look at all the data, if you want to be, to put it very bluntly, if you want a life where you feel fulfilled and happy and have good well-being, really across everything, you know, whether it's psychologically, emotionally, in your relationships, even in your physical health, um, this is the kind of motivation that needs to be that you need to foster in your lives and in the lives of the people that you care about. This is what um, fostering well-being is really about. This is what leads to having a happy life because we're really focusing on the things that are intrinsic and fundamental to our human nature, to who we are. I'm going to let me answer it at a different level, though, which is that if you're in, uh, I know a lot of your audience are entrepreneurs and business people. And if you're running a business, of course, you're very concerned with things like engagement. Engagement's a word that gets talked about everywhere. I mean, we talk about employee engagement. How do I get my people to go the extra mile, to be committed, to lean in, to be loyal? I want to retain good people. I want to develop talent. I want to, I want to help their performance, right? So we're really interested in this engagement, which in the context of even what we've been saying, I'm sure everyone's connected the dots that no. we're really talking about a motivational issue there. We're talking about a psychological motivational issue when we talk about that. And also we're talking about we're interested in our customers being engaged. We want them to be loyal. We want we want them to develop into kind of lifetime partners and develop value for our businesses. And we want our businesses to have value to them. And it turns out that the principles that we're talking about here, an incredible flow of data over years and years now is coming in and from our work at motivation works um and when we look at the data out of our motivation work systems and tools are showing that it's by supporting the things that we're going to talk about today that actually builds value at a level that traditional forms of motivation right enticing people let's set up rewards let's try to play little behavioral science parlor tricks and nudge them or manipulate them with fear of missing out or gamify things by throwing a badge on like all these things that are misguided those backfire but the principles that are, um in self-determination theory are actually the things that are going to drive motivation in the right ways you know i'm, I'm so glad to hear that that because i am i'm pretty fed up with this idea that the only way that you can get somebody to be engaged is to gamify something i'm just irritated <laughs> by it you should be you should be uh can we do you mind if we talk for a minute Please. about gamification yeah so um you know the gamification movement started um you know, a little less than a decade ago and it really you know 2011 2012 yeah, i think it was about 10 years ago the term got invented and um, I am so happy to see it dying out. Um, 
because it had it had all the earmarks of a fad. Um, and I got pulled into it very early, though, because even then we had, we had been doing this work for a number of years. We do a lot of work, for example, in the video game business and specifically um, helping game developers understand the psychology of engagement for games. And so it was natural that we were being pulled into a lot of kind of thought leadership uh, conferences and talks about gamification. Uh, I got asked to keynote at a gamification conference, um, and uh, I accepted, but the title of my talk was Gamification. I do not think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> I'm pulling from The Princess Bride, and it was really because, look, what you're trying to do is you're looking at games, and you're saying these things are really motivating, and they're engaging, which they are when they're done right. What most people fail to realize is most games don't engage because they're not good games. Good games definitely have an incredible power to do this. But then you're just trying to like shave off the top the the sparkle or the things you can notice about games and then kind of like bolt them onto other activities as a way of motivating people without really understanding the underlying motivational dynamics. Turns out we've already mapped that self-determination theory at the work we did in games starting over 15 years ago now looked at games and actually determined that the majority of what people mean when they say they're having fun in a video game has to do with, and now I'm going to get into the theory here a little bit for your listeners. I've, I've mentioned these basic psychological needs that come out of the model. Let me talk about what those are. Because it turns out that when we measure, uh, even in video games, uh, what is what are causing people to value them, and more importantly, stay engaged with them over time, it's the satisfaction of these same needs from the model. And the needs are the need for autonomy. That's the need that we all have to feel like, you know, we're the authors of our lives, that we're doing the things that we feel like we're writing the script. We're doing things volitionally. We're doing things in a way where we have feel a sense of agency. We're not doing things because we feel manipulated or controlled or put upon, right? Mm -hmm. So autonomy is, is a basic need that we all have. The second basic psychological need is a need for mastery. Sometimes we, we call it competence. Uh, but I kind of like the word mastery because it has this idea of we want to feel successful and effective at what we're doing. When we're, when we're taking on tasks every day, whether it's in our work, our hobbies, we want to feel we're effective at knocking those things out, even crushing them, doing them really well. We also want to feel a sense of growth. We don't just want to crush the task in front of us. We want to see a pathway forward. We're able to kind of grow and develop. And then the third basic psychological need is a need for relatedness. And this is the need we all have to feel connected to others that we you know really belong we're connected you know the shorthand way to understand this is hey i feel like i matter i matter yeah. to my coworkers. i matter to people in my family um i i feel supported by them in key ways and so it turns out that these needs and this is for the listeners these are the things to focus on if you're taking notes these are the three needs to jot down and look into more these these are the keys these are the keys to so much of what we're talking about and have already referenced. And to come back to the story, it turns out that when games are satisfying those same needs, guess what? People, it was when we did a lot of our statistical analyses, that need satisfaction is the thing that predicted people having fun and being really engaged in games um, more than any other factor, more than graphics, more than sound, more than story. It's not that those other things aren't important. But these need fulfillments were things. So we actually had already mapped the motivation of games. And so when people started to just take leaderboards and badges and bells and whistles off the top of them, uh, we found that very unsatisfying. And another reason is we know from our theory that if you do those things, 
you actually harm people's intrinsic motivation because you essentially are distracting them. You're, you're trying to – even if you're doing it with, with quote-unquote – I'm air-quoting now <laughs> – like fun things, you know, you're basically manipulating them. You're trying to manipulate them, and they know it. People know it. People are incredibly tuned <laughs> to feeling kind of controlled or manipulated, right? So, so it's sort of like uh, it wasn't just that gamification was doing things that were innocuous but not effective. It was doing things that were actually undermining. We call it the undermining effect of external rewards, undermining of people's motivation from deeper need fulfillment. Yeah. Well, there it is. I think that's perfect. Excellent. Um, and you said it's a fad, and so you're 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 seeing that it's it's sort of dying out. Well, I mean, I think here, here's the thing that's interesting is, I think gamification, if we the way that it's been com- understood, is something I'm glad is dying out. I think the idea is a good one. Um, we tend to refer to it just as motivational design, mm. um, and I think games do have a lot to teach business owners. If you're if you're out there. You know, and you're trying to develop a service or you're trying to develop an app and, you know, you don't just have an engagement problem. This is another important point. You don't just have an engagement problem. You have a sustained engagement problem because consumers over the last 15 years have been given a a tremendous amount of power to uh, make choices instantaneously about what they're going to attend to and be engaged with. So you're not going to win the battle for their hearts and souls over time unless you're tapping into something more meaningful to them because the, the, the power dynamic has shifted. Uh, I use a lot of examples for this, but you know, back, back when I was a kid, for example, if I wanted to watch Happy Days, uh, which for your younger viewers was an old show starring <laughs> a guy called The Fonz. But anyway, I, if I want Happy Days, what did I have to do? Well, I had to remember when Happy Days was on. Right? I didn't get to pick when I would watch Happy Days, how <laughs> right. I would watch Happy Days. I had to show up at you know 7.30 on Wednesday whenever it was on, and, and then otherwise I didn't get to watch it. So it wasn't in my control. I had to sit through the ads. wasn't in my control. Right. So we – institutions, organizations, entire markets had the freedom to use more external manipulative motivational techniques with some effect. Guess what? That's all gone, right? My daughter who's nine – barely understands the concept of commercials. She almost doesn't understand the concept of a linear nonstop television show. Mm. She's used to having complete control. And this has happened, look at any domain, and this is happening everywhere. So as a result, we need to understand deeper how to carry, how to meet basic psychological needs. And I think that the right kind of gamification is looking at how technology in games does that particularly well. So games have the ability to offer great immediacy of information that helps me feel a sense of mastery. It's able to telegraph to me by showing me skill trees and different ways of leveling up through what we call uh, RPG or role-playing game mechanics. I can see a pathway for growth. It's very salient to me. I can feel that progression. I see more choice. So there's immediacy, but there's also density of those need fulfillments. And then there's also consistency of those need fulfillments. And those are the things that games do well, that enrich, and that, that we can carry forward, those principles we can carry forward into a lot of our app development. But the mistake is thinking that those are those have to do with the, the, the trappings of games. It's really about understanding those underlying motivations and just simply seeing how game mechanics do those things well so that you can take the right things from games through motivational design. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I appreciate all that. And you know, as you're talking, it's like, well, that's what what, what you're describing is what I want. I want a sustainable a, a sustainable way to keep those that I care about, be they me, be they my mm-hmm. employees, be the be they my kids, uh, or teammates or whatever. Uh, fully engaged. I want them to feel that autonomy. I want them to feel like like they're advancing and getting better, and I want them to feel like they're part of our community here. Um, and yeah, just yeah. throwing throwing some stupid game on it is not going to do that. But if if done correctly, you can take some of the tenets of it and use technology for good, and that will help to make it more sustainable. Yeah, and that same motivational design, just to step away from games for a minute, is if you're thinking about how do I. Um, because organizations, you know, we've talked about in terms of facing outward to customers and how can we satisfy the customers and how game mechanics who do that could be an interesting way to approach motivational design of applications. But if we look more fundamentally at those basic needs and fulfillments, you also have an incredible model. And this is this is precisely what our motivation works um, software does, just so I can give a little plug for that. But we're very excited about it because we built it from the ground up to integrate all of the science, like it was built by the people that invented self-determination theory. Um, The science of everything I'm talking about is at its heart, but it's specifically about measuring these same need fulfillments as well as how they're being supported within uh, organizational cultures and organizational life. And so the reason we went in this direction is we looked at the fact that only one out of three employees are engaged at work. Right. I mean, think about that. I mean, that the place where most people spend the majority of their waking hours and two-thirds of people are disengaged. And we also looked at how you know billions of dollars every year has been spent trying to do all kinds of things, almost like gamify work, right, or – or you know, th- different rewards and all these different systems. And we saw the same issue we saw in kind of gamification, which is they're, they're missing the foundation of what really this is about. If we can create a system that lets them measure how well needs are being fulfilled, how well people feel their managers and their leadership are supporting them, and then going the extra step of giving evidence-based recommendations to every employee about what they can be doing to thrive and be fulfilled in their work, to every frontline manager about what they could be doing with their teams, and to all leadership, if we could be drawing from all the evidence from self-determination theory to help people really understand prescriptively what to do, we can create a mechanism for change that's really transformative. And so we, you can apply that in the work environment um, uh, and your relationships within your company just as you can apply it when looking outward. I love it. Yeah. Are the needs of the people that I'm working with, that I'm serving, being fulfilled? I mean, it's like a yes or no right there. And if, if, if they're not, you need to need to certainly address that. And then having the technology to be able to to deliver on that and then to make suggestions on here's 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 the next step in the progression, I have to imagine is extremely valuable. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, Scott, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? So I would say this. If you take away one thing from this is think about motivation not as something that you get from somewhere else or that you give to someone else. When you're thinking about managers, how many different versions of a manager training book is how to motivate your team (laughs) or how to motivate your kids or whatever it might be. 
when we think about it that way, we're understanding motivation wrong. Because as we've talked about on this call, remember, everyone motivates themselves. What we can do for others and for ourselves is create the conditions that are going to facilitate that natural motivation and engagement to emerge. And because there is these in, this intrinsic um, energy that comes from the basic psychological needs, we also know specifically that focusing on the needs for autonomy, mastery, and relatedness and facilitating those fulfillments will cause the most powerful forms of high-quality motivation and fulfillment to emerge. And that's going to result in just positive indices lighting up across the board as well as a lot of happiness in people's lives. Well, I think that is great stuff. That definitely gets come on. Come on. I think that that's it's so well said, being able to, to, to <laughs> set the table and, and create the environment for people to really thrive. And, and to your point, and then you get to just watch watch everything light up from there. I think that's great. Scott, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? How can people engage with Motivation Works? Yeah, I would go just start at motivationworks.com. Uh, that's a place to go to learn about what we do. And again, fo that's focusing right on your organization and employees. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we have the software. We also do workshops, training, other sorts of things as well. Um, if you want to follow me, uh, follow me on, uh, on Twitter at uh, C as in Charlie, S as in Scott Rigby. Um, so that's where you can follow me on Twitter or, or find me on LinkedIn. I'm a big, I, I don't use a lot of social media, but I'm a big LinkedIn guy. So you could find me there. Love it. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Scott your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to motivationworks.com. Check out all the great resources that, uh, that they are talking about and working on an offering. Follow Scott on Twitter and LinkedIn. I will list all of those in the notes of the show. Thank you again, Scott. My great pleasure, George. Thanks. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right.